Welcome to From the Source with Frankie and Sarah from Baker Tilly KDN. This podcast is about helping business owners and entrepreneurs understand and overcome their tax planning challenges. Join us for this journey as Frankie Loretto and Sarah Netley draw from years of expertise and guest experts to help make complex tax planning concepts make sense. Hello and welcome to From the Source with your hosts, Frankie and Sarah, where you get the right information right from the source. I'm Wendy McConnell. Hello, ladies. Hey, Wendy. Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. How are we doing today? Good. We're good. It's, you know, we're getting close to the holiday season, so it's it's busy, but looking forward to a little bit of a break soon, which will yeah, be nice. A little yeah. of that Christmas magic, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's always so bittersweet because I find this is one of the times we're so busy and it's Christmas. So you've got to do all your Christmas shopping and all that stuff. And it's also my birthday this week. Oh, weekend. it is. Um, yes. You know, I'm extra busy trying to, you know, treat myself. Oh, well, yeah. You know, I always feel like people who have their birthday right before, or right after really kind of, you know, get the shaft. It's, when it comes it's to been tough. Birthday. It has been. Has tough. it, Frankie? Yeah. But do you I've feel survived. like you get the, you've survived. Do you feel like as a kid, did you feel like you got the short end of the stick? Like because you got honestly, Christmas presents and birthday presents very close to together? No? Honestly, no. Like I always like I've always loved Christmas. So I always got kind of a Christmas themed birthday, birthday party. So I never had an issue with it. And wow. yeah, one of those things having a December birthday when you were younger, you had to watch all your friends, you know, get their license w- well before you or they yes. could, you know, uh... drink legally way before you. But now I'm on the the opposite end of that, where all of my friends are entering decades before I'm entering decades. So <laughs> They're aging. Nice. <laughs> now you can go, nah, 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 nah. That's yeah, funny. Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. Well, today we're going to actually continue the conversation from last episode. Um, so last episode, we had Frank Cherizano, uh chat to us about, you know, leaving charitable amounts through your will and kind of the practical implications, just, you know, what that looks like, things that you should be doing during your life to ensure that, you know, that donation, you know, is done smoothly. So today we want to talk more about the tax implications to those charitable givings, particularly, you know, if there's a difference between doing it through your will versus, you know, during your lifetime. Yeah. So I think really before we get into the super, super tax heavy stuff, Sarah, I think we should probably talk about, you know, overall, what is, I guess, the tax benefit of charitable giving. So a lot of what we're talking about today is the latter consideration. You've already decided you want to make a gift. You've researched the charity you want to give. Then you come to your tax advisor and say, you know what, what are the benefits to me of making this gift? And I think the first thing is that not every donation, not every gift is the same. So in Canada, you can only benefit if you are issued a charitable receipt. And typically, only qualified donees can issue charitable donation receipts. And there's a number of different qualified donees, but the ones we're mostly talking about today and the most common are registered charities. So we, a lot of the time, when it comes close to personal tax season, we get a lot of these GoFundMe type you know, receipts. And everybody assumes that when they donate to any GoFundMe, they should benefit from that on their tax return. 
which isn't always the case that, you know, that GoFundMe has to be to a registered charity or for a charitable purpose. So when you set up a GoFundMe for a friend, for a personal reason, that likely is not going to qualify in terms of a, a receipt. No. And if if you're in doubt, there is actually um, like a database or a listing that CRA maintains, and we can put the link in the show notes to the CRA's website for that. So it actually has a list of every qualified donee registered charity in Canada. Um, and you can just do a search to see if the charity that you're considering, you know, giving to is, you know, a registered donee. And I think it's important, you know, we're very mindful that people make charitable gifts, not because of the tax benefit or the tax savings. It's, you know, a very personal, um, you know, usually well thought out decision, but all we're wanting to do today is to say, once you've made that decision to make, you know, a sizable donation, give some consideration to ensure that, you know, you can also have some tax uh, savings. So making sure it's a, it's a bonus. Exactly. Exactly. So making sure it is a qualified donee is, you know, an important step. But again, if there's a GoFundMe campaign that's, you know, near and dear to your heart, you're not going to not donate just because you're not going to get a tax receipt for it, but just something to be mindful of. Absolutely. And I think, you know, another part of that question is, is how much am I going to get credit for for that donation? So how much is going to be on that donation receipt when I do donate to to a registered charity or a qualified donee? So typically when you're donating, you know, cash or, or a gift in kind, it's the value of that cash or the value of that gift that's going to be the eligible donation that goes on the receipt that you can get credit for. What people have to watch out for, and I think in our conversation last week, Frank had mentioned, you know, charities have parties and galas and all those fun things that you can go to. And usually when you buy a ticket to those parties or galas, there is a, a portion that you get as a Donation Charitable amount. donation amount. Yeah. But any donation or I guess we'll go stick specifically to that charity gala. If you buy a charity gala ticket, that full amount that you buy is not going to be an eligible gift. And the reason for that is because part of that has to do with the cost of the event. So that piece you've benefited from or you, there's an advantage to you. So the cost of the food, the cost of the venue. So you'll often see a portion of that ticket price isn't going to show up on the donation receipt as an eligible donation. That's interesting because I actually went to a luncheon this past year and the ticket was $125 and they were very specific that we're going to send you a letter with a tax deduction of $75. And they're like, what? Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And so it's important when you're filing your tax return to make sure you have, you know, that receipt or that letter from the organization, because the, if you were to be audited, submitting your, you know, your ticket for the event is not typically going to be accepted by CRA as, you know, proof of your donation. You're going to have to show some documentation from that organization. So it's a very, it's a very good point. And then, you know, when you're making a donation, if it's a cash donation, it's pretty obvious, you know, what the value of that donation amount is, right? But there's times when people can donate you know, non-cash items. So we'll get into kind of stock portfolios, but, you know, sometimes you're making a donation of um, maybe let's say artwork or you're donating a property or let's say property. Yeah. So you, you have, you're, you're going to go to this gala and you want to donate 
maybe a raffle prize. So you have this really rare wine collection that you're going to donate. Um, coming up with the value of that donation becomes a little bit tricky. And so, you know, sometimes depending on the property, you may need like that expert or that appraiser to, you know, or the charity will to ensure that everybody is aware in terms of that value. You can't just say, oh, you know, this is rare. So, you know, it's a million dollars and I'm going to get a million dollars. You need somebody, you know, third party to ascertain what that value is. But, you know, in a typical, you know, cash donation, it's very clear to you and the charity how much your donation receipt will be for. Yeah. And I think it's important that you brought up the audit risk because it is a very common line item that the CRA will ask for, especially if you have, you know, a large amount of donations in a particular tax year and you haven't in previous years. Even if you have a large amount consistently, it is definitely something that they ask for and they'll ask for all of those receipts and they'll make sure that there's registered charity numbers on those receipts. So that's another indicator is if you get a receipt and it doesn't have a registered charity number, so a business number on it, that's probably something you want to double check and you want to take a look at that list that CRA has online that we'll post in the show notes. So I think now let's just chat about the ways that somebody can donate if you have a corporation, then obviously there's kind of two ways you can do that donation either in your personal name. So from personal funds or through your corporation, you know, with corporate dollars. So if you, if you make an, a donation individually, um, the donation amount comes through as a tax credit on your personal tax return. Um, and that credit is limited to 75% of the individual's net income for the year. Now that limit doesn't apply in the year of death, but in the, you know, in during your lifetime, you you do have a limit. So again, if you're making like sizable donations, you know, you could be in a position where your income amount for that year limits how much of a credit you get. Now, you know, the benefit is if you can't fully utilize your donation credit in a given year, it can be carried forward up to five years. And again, you know, we do have clients who have an annual sizable, either one donation or multiple donations that they make. And so we look at, is there a way to ensure we're utilizing those donation credits and sometimes it's the case that you don't actually end up utilizing your donation credits. And as much as we try to plan around that, it sometimes happens. And again, back to the outset of this podcast episode, we're cognizant of people aren't making donations for solely tax-driven reasons. Um, and so again, if that annual contribution is really important to them, then you know having donation credits fall off might just be kind of a byproduct and it is what it is. So... Yeah. And we see issues too where credits are being utilized when we have clients that make sizable US donations. So what a lot of people don't know is if you make a donation to a, a registered you know, charity that's in the US, you are limited on the credit on that donation against US income only. So you can't use a US donation against Canadian sourced income. So that 75% limit that Sarah referred to will be on US net income. So you might have a charity that, you know, is near and dear to your heart in the US and you don't have any sources of US income and you might never have any sources of US income. We're not saying don't make that donation, you know, but be Just aware be that yeah, you might not be able to benefit for mm -hmm. tax purposes on that. And exactly. that 
that organization might have a you know a sister company in Canada or it might have a very similar organization in Canada that you want to donate to instead but as Sarah said at the outset, it's not all about the tax reasons. It's just being mindful. We're, of what we're mindful. It's not all about the tax. As much as we as tax people like to always think it's just about the tax. It's not always about the tax. So again, maybe that influences your decision though. Of, okay, well, I was going to donate to this you know charity in the US, but as Frankie said, there's a very comparable you know organization in Canada that, that does very similar work and I can get behind. So, you know, I'll, I'll make that donation to Canada. Yeah. And when you're donating, so if you decide it it makes more sense for you to donate through your corporation where you have a corporation, there is a slight difference in the tax implications. So instead of that donation amount being a tax credit, it's a deduction against income in the corporation. So a tax credit more specifically is applied directly to your tax bill owing, where a deduction reduces your income which will, you know, inherently reduce your taxes owing. Um, and there's also a limit for corporation, the deduction up to 75% of the corporation's income, very similar to the situation on the personal side. And there's also that ability to carry forward an unutilized um, deduction up to five years. And I think, Frankie, you and I have gotten the question, you know, multiple times in the past, whether it makes sense to do, you know, a charitable gift personally or through that individual's corporation. And then like, there was never a clear cut answer. You kind of had to look at, you know, the facts in each person's situation, but there is a little bit more of a clear cut answer now, given the changes to, you know, the proposed changes to the alternative minimum tax, which we touched on really briefly with Frank last episode. And so just to refresh everyone's memory, alternative minimum tax is just a secondary calculation that is done every year you file your personal tax return. And basically it looks at, you know, they they want individuals to pay a minimum amount of tax. You know, high, I should say high net worth individuals to pay a minimum amount of tax. They don't want people using deductions and credits to really drive down their tax liability. And it typically hasn't really come up for individuals unless there's, you know, very select situations, but the proposed amendments are now going to have implications to individuals who make charitable donations and are high income earners. So with that said, there now could be an advantage of making that donation through your corporation because the corporation does not have a minimum tax calculation. Yeah. And I think when you're talking about, you know, the instances we see most commonly about should I donate through my corporation or should I donate personally? It's usually a situation where there's taxable income in both the corporate side and on the personal side. So in either case, you're going to be able to use that donation credit, but you need to pay that cash, say, out of the corporation in order to make that donation personally. So we get that question of, okay, I've got the funds in the corporation. Should I make that donation here or should I pay myself a salary or a dividend and make that donation personally? A lot of the times, especially when it's a cash donation, there's there wasn't a difference between doing that donation corporately or personally. And when I say there isn't a difference, I mean, there's not a significant benefit one way or the other. Mm-hmm. But because but now, of these proposed AMT changes, there could be 
mm-hmm. additional tax to pay because of making that donation. And and really specifically the change that's happened related to the donation credit is for the purposes of calculating that minimum tax on your personal tax return, only 50% of your charitable donation credit is going to be taken into account to reduce that minimum tax. So where someone makes a really significant donation, they could end up owing minimum tax specifically because they made a donation. Exactly. And let's just throw maybe some numbers out just as an example. So if you have a high income earner and we keep kind of focusing on high income earners because there is an ex, uh, kind of an, ex, an exemption provided. So if you're not over one hundred and you know seventy three thousand, um, AMT may not be applicable. But if you're a high income earner and you make, let's say, a three hundred thousand dollar donation personally, you could be in the realm of like twenty thousand of alternative minimum tax. So you may not have any personal income tax, but you still have to pay that $20,000 of alternative minimum tax when you file your tax return in April. So compare that to the corporate side, you don't have that minimum tax. So there is a you know, cash flow savings to making the donation in that corporation. The $20,000 of minimum tax at the personal level should be able to be recuperated you know, I use then as a credit going forward, but it is a timing difference. You will have to write a check to CRA, you know, this year for that alternative minimum tax. Yeah, because minimum tax, and I don't think we really touched on this in the last episode or even it's, it's really a prepayment of tax. So where you owe that minimum tax, you have that opportunity to use that amount you've paid to reduce your taxes payable in the future years for up to seven years. So in a perfect world where we've got AMT, we're planning for our clients to make sure they've got enough income in the next seven years to recover that AMT. So it's not a permanent cost to you. But as Sarah said, it is still a cash flow issue, um, which can be obviously a pain, especially when you're not anticipating it. Okay, so let's take a break after that, you know, kind of in-depth talk about alternative minimum tax, which is, you know, a confusing topic in and of itself. Let's take a quick break, grab a coffee, um, and we'll jump back into it. Hey, sorry for the interruption. I know you're listening to the podcast from the source with Frankie and Sarah, and I'm so happy you're here. If you have any questions, please head over to curtis.bakertilly.ca or to show notes to find out how to reach us. We'd love to hear from you. Okay, so now that we've had a chance to have our coffee, stretch our legs, we're going to now get into how, you know, the different ways that an individual or a corporation can uh, make a charitable gift. You know, the most common type of gift would be cash. And it's, you know, the most, you, know, you have cash in your pocket, you're, you're going to go make a donation. But at the top of the episode, we talked about, you know, donating property. So really, you can make any sort of in-kind gifts of capital property uh, to an organization. Yeah, so that could be real estate, artwork, jewelry. Uh, and the one thing we're probably going to talk a bit about here now is donation of publicly traded securities. So we did talk about the amount of your donation receipt having to be or relating to the fair value or the value of that property you're, you're being gifted. So you'll get the credit for the fair value of the gift. But where you're donating capital property that has an unrealized gain you might have a, well, you will have a disposition for tax purposes on that property. So there could be tax implications on that unrealized gain. So there is actually a way to kind of avoid 
the tax on the gain. So rather than cash in that portfolio, you know, include the unrealized capital gain in your income for tax purposes, you could just gift, you know, that stock or that portfolio to the charitable organization. And most registered charities will have their internal policy about, you know, receiving property other than cash. And and so this is definitely a very common so it's probably easiest if we talk about an example and maybe put some numbers. So let's just say an individual, I'm going to use, I'm going to pick on Apple stock. So they have Apple stock that is currently worth $100,000. They got in on this stock when it was, you know, really inexpensive and they only paid $10,000 for that stock. So there's an unrealized gain of $90,000 on that Apple stock. So one option is they can, you know, go to their advisor or go onto their investment account and sell the $100,000 worth of Apple stock in order to have cash to then gift to the charity. But for tax purposes, they're going to now have to pay tax or include that $90,000 of unrealized gain in their income tax return. So they're going to have to pay tax on that and then you know get the benefit of their hundred thousand uh, dollar charitable donation receipt. Whereas the benefit, if you donate publicly traded securities, there's actually you know an exemption really from having to pay tax on that unrealized gain. So taking those same numbers, where we've got the Apple stock that's worth a hundred thousand dollars, we paid ten thousand dollars for it. If we donate that stock directly to the charity, we get that donation receipt for $100,000 and that unrealized gain on those shares is deemed to be zero. So we get kind of, we get to kind of double dip there, which is why this is a really good planning opportunity, particularly where you have, you know, a portfolio of publicly traded securities with an unrealized gain. So we have a slight change now with the AMT rules. There has been some tweaks in the pr the proposed rules that does, you know, increase AMT slightly where we've made donations of publicly traded securities. But with that in mind, it's there's still a significant benefit overall from donating publicly traded securities rather than liquidating your portfolio and then gifting that cash. Um, I think the interesting thing is, again, because corporations don't have minimum tax, if an individual has a corporation, either, you know, it the corporation itself might have an investment portfolio. So this strategy works really well for publicly traded securities held through that corporation because there will be no minimum tax. But if the portfolio is held personally, there could be a benefit to first moving that portfolio into the corporation and then making that gift through your corporation. It it will really depend on the amount of minimum tax that would apply if the individual makes that gift personally, because obviously there's just, you know, there's costs to restructuring and moving your investment portfolio into your corporation. Um, but in situations where the AMT is significant or you're concerned that you're not actually going to recoup the AMT, it could be worth, you know, doing that step first. So 
Um, just kind of an important thing to to keep in mind as we move into 2024 and the and the new uh, AMT rules, you know, potentially become let, like enacted. Yeah, exactly. And there's other benefits to transferring a portfolio into a corporation, like to go back to our estate planning conversation. And I think we're going to kind of lead into that for the latter part of this episode is, you know, if you're in a province where there's significant probate, so somewhere like Ontario, there's probate savings if you transfer a portfolio personally into a corporation and you have a secondary will. So, this is something you might be thinking of from a donation perspective, but there could be added benefits as to why you would want to do it if the AMT reason wasn't enough to justify the cost to do so. Yeah, Frankie, you touched on kind of the, you know, the estate planning side too of, you know, moving your investments to a corporation for probate purposes. And so there are differences between gifting during your lifetime versus gifting through your estate. And so some of those you know, considerations, you would be one really ensuring you have the cash flow available to make your donation during your life or during your passing. So you might have, you know, a significant real estate portfolio. And so a lot of your wealth is tied up in, you know, illiquid assets. And so you really may not have the cash flow during your life to make a sizable donation to the to the charity that, you know, is near and dear to your heart versus, you know, after you're passing and properties are liquidated, you may have the cash flow at that point. And then, you know, matching the tax bill to the timing of that charity can also help. Yeah, I think that's a really important one, especially for our listeners that, you know, the significant part of their estate is their shares in their small business. So if I'm a business owner and my plan is to in the next, you know, couple years sell off my business, I'm going to have a sizable tax bill in that particular year. So it might make more sense for me to make a donation around the time I'm selling that business so I can utilize that, those credits against the big income inclusion of me selling that business. Whereas if I have no intention of selling or retiring, I have kids that might be want to be involved in the business, but I'm just going to let them see what they want to do when I pass away. If I hold those shares at the time I pass away, I'm going to have a huge tax bill in my estate. So I'm probably going to want to push off any significant donations to my estate. So I think that kind of ties in with the, the cash flow conversation you were having, Sarah, too. It's if we can match the donation with the tax bill to maximize your wealth, that is a good planning opportunity. So thinking of when you're going to have those large tax bills, and that's where we're talking specifically tax planning. Obviously, yeah. there's other non-tax reasons why you may want to make a sizable donation exactly. and don't defer it just for tax reasons. <laughs> exactly. And I think kind of just in terms of looking at cash flow of timing, there is a difference donating through your will in terms of when and how that donation can be utilized. So if you make it during your life, as we said, you you can claim that donation credit in the year you made it or it can be carried forward for five years. If you make it through your will, then you can your estate can use that donation credit either in the year that you pass or the year prior to your passing. You can either use that donation credit in the year that you pass in the year prior to your passing, or the estate can use that in the estate return. So there is, again, some flexibility there to move the credit back, uh, which you don't have the same flexibility during your lifetime. 
Yeah. And there's also added flexibility of, you know, you want to leave a fixed sum in your will, or if you want to leave the charity as a residual beneficiary of your will, or you could designate the charity as a beneficiary of your registered account. So if you have RRSPs, RIFs, your life insurance, there's tons of options. And we could probably talk about this all day today and tomorrow in the next three days, but I think we are just about out of time. So we're going to have to wrap wrap it up up. for today. Okay, ladies. So how do people get in touch with you if they have more questions? Yeah, you can give us a call at the office at 905-579-5659. Or you can check us out online at bakertilly.curtis.ca. All right. Thank you, ladies. And thank you for listening today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to From the Source with Frankie and Sarah. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at curtis.bakertilly.ca or give us a call at 905-579-5659. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Frankie Loretto, Sarah Netley, or Baker Tilly KDN. Baker Tilly KDN LLP is a member of the Baker Tilly Canada Cooperative, which is a member of the global network of Baker Tilly International Limited. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional accounting advice. Always seek the advice of your chartered professional accountant or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your tax planning.